Well, I, so this morning's going to be different. I'll explain it in a minute. I hope there have been some opportunities for growth during these past few weeks uh, in, in some new ways. The goal in this series of conversations that we've had, that we, we called it, you know, in spirit and in truth, um, visiting kind of the norms or, or looking outside our norms to see the way that God works. Uh, this challenging of our norms is something that we don't just do naturally. We have to be guided into it. We have to, we have, to have opportunities where we specifically rethink, okay, what am I used to? What do I assume is the normal? And what might I be missing? How might I not see someone else's perspective of what is normal? Where are there ways that God might want to work in ways that I am unfamiliar or even uncomfortable with that my own growth um, invites me to, uh, to explore more? Anything like that. Uh, specifically, how the, the, we've looked at the different diverse ways that people experience and express um, the life of Jesus. So, uh, you know, we did all of these, and I'll go back and give you a quick review um, in just a moment, but we did all of these very specific kind of weeks, right, looking at all these things and different practices, how objects and, and stuff can play a role in helping point us toward Jesus, how movement can play a role, um, how traditions of liturgy and um, different traditions of justice and how we express them. Uh, one of the things that I started doing after I shared it with you from the Eastern Orthodox Church was that um, when I'm alone, and kind of walking or running or driving, and I see something that moves me toward God in some way, I've started crossing myself as a reminder of gratitude toward God for little moments of, of being aware of God's presence. It's been cool. Um, little different practices and things that we can start to put into play. All very practical. Uh, so those are all kind of specific avenues. But today, what I'm going to do uh, I want us to do two things. First, we're going to dig underneath all of the things that we've talked about for the last four weeks, I think it's been, um, or maybe five. And, and we're going to reflect on the heart posture that allows us to actually move toward Jesus in new ways, okay? And then we're going to have an opportunity for some stories within this community to emerge, uh, to mutually encourage each other and share. So um, somebody put a clock on me because we're cutting me off at 12 minutes max. So, seriously, you got it, Kim? Okay. Uh, so, we're, we're going to have dialogue. And so, I'm going to tell you that if, you, if your mind wanders during these next 10 minutes, you're not allowed to start it yet. Um, <laughs> the, if your mind wanders during the next few minutes, that's fine. Let it wander too. what these practices are that you've maybe tried out, what you're interested in trying out, or how you've been surprised outside of your own norms with God working, Okay. So those are what the questions are going to be that we're going to give you a chance to respond to. It's all going to be about where have you seen God working maybe beyond what you're familiar with or, or comfortable with, and how has that impacted you, or what practices have you been trying over the last month, all right? So that's the precursor of where we're going. All right, I want to tell you the story that um, if you've been around, you know I love, I love the character of Peter in the scriptures. Absolutely love his, his character. He kind of plays the role of the lead disciple among the disciples. He was older than all of the rest because in the Talmudine, in the, in the Hebrew culture, the group of, of disciples that would follow a rabbi, there was always one older one who was supposed to be the example. So there was one who would always be the first one to raise his hand. You might have labels and names for that in school. The one who always like, oh, pick me, pick me. But it was a specific cultural example of, of the type of engagement that the younger disciples 
would aspire to be like, okay? And Peter gets the job here, um, and uh, the interesting thing about Peter is that he's always kind of shooting from the hip, so he makes a ton of mistakes, and he gets some things right, but, uh, but the most beautiful thing that we have about the life of Peter is that we find out what happened later in Peter's life post-resurrection. So we get this glimpse into the ongoing journey of Peter, not just the journey where he was a disciple, probably around 20, 21 years old, uh, but we get what happens. We even get his letters when he was an old man. And so, so we have this incredible glimpse into the biography. Uh, I wish we had even more. But I want to tell you about this one story that happened because when, when Peter was reinstated after, remember, Peter denied Jesus, really dark moment in the Gospels, you know, Jesus is arrested. Peter says, I don't know this guy. And then later, Jesus, um, on his third appearance, in the book of John at least, uh, post-resurrection, he calls Peter in. Uh, Peter's been fishing. There's this beautiful story. Uh, Jesus essentially says, Peter, I know that you messed up, but I also know that your heart is to love, and I'm going to work with you where you're at, and we're going to go from there, and I'm going to continue to use you. To feed my sheep is the way that, that Jesus said it. So Peter is and kind of comes back in and becomes one of the leaders uh, in the early church, specifically, um, yes, yeah, specifically in, in Jerusalem here. And so what ends up happening is that Peter is given the Spirit of God in a really powerful way. You think Peter's journeyed through years with Jesus, right, has had some ups and downs, and now, like, he's the man. He has got it together. In fact, the story right before what I'm about to share, he brings someone back from the dead by the power of Jesus. He doesn't claim it's his own, but like this guy is kind of a rock star in the early movement. Like this is the one, like, okay, Peter, culmination of what it means to be a disciple post-Jesus. He's, you know, everybody, the, I was going to make a joke that the guys want to be him and the, never mind. And, uh, but anyways, so here's what happens. So Peter Peter is now kind of leading, and he's, he's got this missionary posture and all this stuff. He's, he's helping to share the story of, of Jesus. And what happens is that we get this glimpse into another guy. And this other guy's name is Cornelius. And Cornelius, interestingly, is not Jewish at all. He's a Gentile, like I would imagine nearly all of us, all right? A non-Jewish person. And so, so anyways, but this guy, we're told he loves God, and he cares for the poor. That's all we're told. And so therefore, God's pleased with him. All right? Therefore, he honors God. All right? And so this guy's outside of the whole Jewish subculture and world, doesn't know anything that happened with Jesus. But, but in the midst of, of just this day, he's going about his day, and in the afternoon, he gets a vision. This is in uh, Acts 10. And he gets this vision, and he sees this angel of God call out to him, Cornelius, Cornelius, stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel said, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And he says, now send a bunch of your friends to this place called Joppa. They're going to find a guy named Simon Peter. And you want to bring him back. And he's going to talk to you about some stuff. All right, so that's what happens. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here just a little bit. So he gets this vision. And he goes out and he says, oh my goodness, okay, God's spoken to me. I need to find this guy named Peter. We're supposed to link up somehow. So in the midst of this, the following day, as these people are on their journey to go find this guy they've never heard of, Peter is um, in a house on his own journey, okay? And so he's, he's praying a little bit, and, and he's hungry, 
So he asks someone in the house, like, is there any food available? So they're making some food. Peter's praying. And in the midst of him praying, what he gets is this vision. And he gets a vision from God where there's all these animals that are dropping on this cloth because he's hungry, right? So shocker, the vision involves food, okay? And, but the message, the interesting thing is that all of the things that are dropped down are outside of his cultural um, permissibility to eat. Jewish people could not eat any of the foods that were dropping down. They were hoofed animals and there were reptiles and some weird stuff. I'd be interested to find out if like, it was normal to eat lizards because I don't actually know that. I'll have to do some work. But there were reptiles that were dropped down on the sheet. Anyways, the voice comes and says, kill and eat. And Peter goes, ah, yes, I have, I'm really, I've grown in my maturity. I know this is a test from the Lord. So Peter says, surely not. Surely not. I am a faithful Jew and a faithful disciple. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I won't do that. And then it happens again. Same vision, same message. Oh, and oh, I forgot the the final part of the message, which is really, really important. Um, After he says no, the voice says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So he does it again, but it's a test, right? So he says, no, surely not. I won't eat. Same voice comes back. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Happens a third time, same thing. Peter, sets of three, always, always trying to make an impact. Three denials, three reinstatements from Jesus. Three times he's hearing this message. So, he gets this vision. He's not sure what's going on. And in the midst of this, he's just trying to think about this vision. In the midst of this, he's still thinking, and he gets another message that says, hey, there's some men coming to see you. Be available to them. So he goes downstairs, and sure enough, these men are here. They want to see him. They say, we've got this guy named Cornelius. He had a vision. He heard from the voice of God, and I guarantee you that Peter's like, are you sure? Like, Cornelius... It's not a Jewish name at all. But anyways, they give him enough information that he says, okay, it sounds crazy. I don't know how you would have found me otherwise. So Peter goes with them. And he goes with them. And he, fought, he, he gets all the way to Cornelius' house here. And, um, and there's this fascinating, fascinating journey. Because Cornelius has never been inside the house of anyone that's non-Jewish. Okay? So he's invited in and he kind of has to pause all right? And he says, um, Peter goes inside. He finds a large gathering of people. The first thing he says to them is he says, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit with a Gentile. But now he's thinking and he's connecting the dots. He says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising an objection. But why am I here? <laughs> but may I ask why you sent for me, he says. And, uh, and they explain, and they want him to share the story of what he might have been given from God. So when he starts to share, he begins to see their heart and the Spirit of God come on them, similar to how uh, they experienced Pentecost, where, where they, they, he sees, I, we don't, we're not told if it's exactly the same, but we're told that it's similar. And here's the statement that I want you to notice, and we'll put it up on the screen in verse 34 of chapter 10. Then Peter began to speak, all right? I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation. Now we, here's the thing that I want us to think about here. Because Jesus has spent, like we love to look at this, from our vantage point, right? And we like to say, well, duh, right? 
Like, we read the Gospels. Obviously, Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus was saying the entire time. Okay? It's very easy for us to think that it's, it's very obvious. And yet, Peter had spent all of these years with Jesus. Peter, you can argue, lead disciple, the man in all of this. Okay? And, and what we get happening is that Peter even after the resurrection of Jesus, looking back on all of the teachings of Jesus, Peter still had assumptions that kept other people out because of the culture that he was a part of. And it took a real journey in Peter's life, a lifelong journey, to truly start to tear down these walls and be open to the various ways that God is working. And by the way, when he starts sharing this, Thank goodness the, the, the Jewish people begin, at least a lot of them who are the Jesus people, begin to accept it, but it takes them time. They're like, we need an eyewitness account. Can you tell us exactly what happened? Because these are Gentile people. These are like others. And this is the point that I want us to be thinking about today. Um, Peter has spent his life, even while trying his best to follow Jesus, also by, by othering. Those people and those situations and these practices that are not what he is most comfortable with or used to, okay? And othering happens when we assume that God only works in certain ways, and so we are not open to the Spirit's ongoing work in us and in the world around us, and it's got to be both. So when we are not open to the Spirit's ongoing work in us or the world around us, then we always are going to end up othering on some level open this up a little bit. I don't want to other the people on the right side of the... Um, so, so consider this, right? All these years with Jesus, by our standards, Jesus making it abundantly clear and teaching the good news, that the, that the good news is for all who want to follow, Jesus breaking down these, having conversations with Gentiles regularly in the Gospels. They saw that, right? Jesus teaching that spirit and truth and goodness and love will always reign over the rules and the ranking and the exclusion of the religious systems that try to contain them. Jesus saying this over and over again. Peter, front row for all of it. And yet, and Peter is so powerful, so full of the spirit that he's even like raising people from the dead. And he still has growth to go. He still has new things that God wants to teach him, new ways that God wants to open him up. Um, Peter had still been shaped by his culture a little bit more than he's been shaped by Jesus, at least in this area. And often we are too. We are deeply, deeply shaped by the culture around us. And that can take several forms. First, the, the greater cultural values around us, right? that often lean into materialism and consumerism and individualism, which are the big three that destroy us. Um, in, in their various ways. But we're also, we're also deeply formed by the religious culture that has shaped each one of us in some way or another and gave us all sorts of assumptions. That's what Peter, well, Peter's, because of the nature of, of the Jewish reality, the culture, the greater culture and the religious culture were intertwined into one. So, so and often ours are too. But the interesting thing here is that there had been certain internal transformation, undoubtedly, that Peter had experienced, right, of God's redemption, and yet, and yet, it had not taken root in fully in the way that he saw the world around him. 
All right, there was growth that was still needed before he could see the goodness and the beauty and the Spirit of God at work in new things and in new places and in new people that he had othered in his life. And God was trying to make it abundantly clear that God was doing something new. Now, I am thankful that Peter responded the way he did. Because he took, he took a heart posture that you can argue changed the entire trajectory of, of the New Testament church. But I think sometimes the temptations that we have, if we've met Jesus... If we've surrendered to Christ, we, we figure that we've got the correct kind of view of all things now. And yet for Peter, that was just the beginning of his journey. And there were new biases to break down. There were new uh, things to enlarge his worldview and his understanding of what God's mission and God's spirit was up to. And all of that was this ongoing process, and so it is for us. Oh, shoot. Okay. So here are the two things. All right. Cliff notes. All right. Here are the two things. When we other, when we are not open, two things happen. Number one, it destroys our ability to be humble. When we assume that we have God figured out and God's ways figured out and the people that God loves figured out and the practices that God likes figured out totally, then we lose the ability to practice humility. And the second thing that happens when we give in to othering too much, and I don't just mean people, Okay, I mean this entire thing. The second thing that happens, and this is the one that for me was so life-changing. We truly miss out. Like we truly miss out. Can you imagine how much more joy Peter had hearing and seeing the ways that God was working in these Gentile faith? Like what's it like for you to hear the voice of God? Because for me, it's connected to all of this backstory, all of the Torah that we have, everything like that. But when you hear the voice of God, what's it look like? How are you being changed? Like can you imagine how much richer his life is going to be? And this idea of missing out. Sometimes when we talk about our tribalism or our assumptions of practices, we think, well, we're not supposed to be judgmental. Like it's a bad thing. That, that's, that's true, right? It, it gets in the way often of us. But what I didn't realize is that when I stick too much with my assumptive ways of how God works or, or who I'm listening to, that I miss out greatly. A couple of years ago, when I finally started to change my attitude on all these things, I looked at my bookshelf. And the amount, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say the amount of, I'm going to say the lack of, the, ala- the lack of voices of color and female authors that were on my bookshelf was astonishing. And I realized that I, there was an entire world out there that I had not truly allowed myself to dig into and discover. And when I began reading more diverse authors, when I began having conversations with people whose experience of life was so different than mine, I found that I was like, oh my goodness, this is what you see in the scripture when you read? I assumed this was the only way. And now I'm seeing this richness and this beauty and this this emphasis that you have because of your experience in life that's different than mine. And it was just so good and so rich. And it changed me. And it's continuing to change me. So, I want to encourage us to learn how to walk with openness toward Jesus always. We're not just talking about anything goes. We're talking about moving toward the heart and the way of Jesus by holding humility in the fact that God can and will work in surprising ways, and by understanding that if we don't hear and listen to one another, if we don't learn to appreciate the ways that other people might express God in different traditions, or the different ways and voices 
of other disciples, then we are going to miss out greatly on what God wants to show us and how God wants to shape us as a people. All right. Thank you. You kept me going. I probably was going to go 20 instead of 16. All right, so let's throw these, these questions up on the screen. So what we're going to do, let's see, did I need anything? I didn't need to say anything else. No. Okay. Just that this happens a lot in the New Testament. That's all I want to say. I had a little list. But God is surprising all the time in the New Testament, bringing new, new views, you know, Pentecost, miraculous moments, radical community in Acts 2, all that stuff. Um, all right, so... Here's what we want to take some time. I, I, that was a, a, just a reminder about the heart posture that we approach with all of this stuff. But what I want you to do now is I want you to think back over the weeks, and some of you have been here for a lot of them, some of you have not, but think about the weeks when we talked about traditions of, um, of how we express justice in the world, God's heart for justice and equality, the traditions of of liturgy and different worship styles, the traditions of, of movement and how God made our bodies to be able to express love for God, um, and traditions of even objects and how, how we can use things as holy reminders in our lives to point us toward Jesus. Like, um, remember, we built the altar and we looked at Joshua and we looked at how Jesus transformed that basin and towel into a completely different thing where the disciples, every single time they entered a room where there was a towel there and a basin for foot washing, that they looked at life differently and they were reminded of who Jesus was because there was an object there that Jesus had transformed that was like, oh yeah, I'm called to be a servant. So, so this, is, this is what we're talking about. So three questions. Where have you been surprised by God's beauty in the church? So what I'm, sa- what I'm suggesting is where has, within the, the body of Christ, doesn't have to be at life path, but where have you been surprised? That's the key word. Surprised by, by God's beauty in an unexpected way through through um, the body of Christ, okay? Second thing is more reflective of this last month. Have you tried anything during these weeks in your own discipleship journey that we've talked about maybe? And how was it? Or what are you uh, planning and thinking about trying out? And then finally, where have you experienced Jesus working in you through something very different from your personality or family culture? So like, where is there some way that you were surprised um, at a connection with Jesus. Like, I am not, if you know me, at least if you knew me in my 20s, I am not a contemplative. I am, like, just always moving. Do stuff, do stuff, do stuff. Yeah, let's get excited. And learning to experience God through silence and stillness, like, that does not match. I would never have said that that was going to be one of the primary ways that my life is shaped and restored by Jesus, and it's become that. And so that was totally different than my personality, and I'm just delighted, and I love reading about, like, the desert fathers and mothers and everything like that, because there's just such a unique element of hearing God's voice that's different than my natural personality. So, okay, those are your questions, Um, and if you are one of our people who aren't around right now or are listening later on our podcast, we're cutting it off here because sharing is not for the internet. So thanks for listening for a few minutes and do your own work with the questions that I just said and God bless you.